0: Even if it feels slow, you're not getting the return. People aren't calling you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. If that happens, great. Spend more money, send more, do more, don't do less. You'll get to your deer quicker if you speed it up rather than slow it down. Hey, it's JP. Hi, it's Excel.
1: And you're listening to Terry Shower on the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast, a show dedicated to real estate investing. And today we're very happy to have Mr. Henry Washington joining us from the U.S. How's it going, Henry?
0: going well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: All right. Well, as uh, we were just uh, discussing, you know, this, this is all about real estate. It's about building value for our listeners. And we just want to remind them, by the way, thank you for your continued support. Thanks for sharing the show with a friend who you think could benefit from this conversation subscribe, like, send us some feedback. We try to respond to everything that we get. So without any further ado, Henry, how in the world did you start to invest in real estate?
0: Uh, I had a panic attack.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's a story I want to know.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So it all started because I had a panic attack. I had a panic attack because I thought my wife was going to leave me. I thought my wife was going to leave me because I didn't make strong financial decisions and I didn't make strong financial decisions because I had no financial education. And so to wrap all of that up in a bow, what happened was I, uh, in life, I did all the things that people tell you to do you know they whoever they is they say go to college get a good degree they say get a job climb the ladder you know they say work for 40 years 50 years and then retire and so like I did all those things they said to do I was good grades in high school got a technical degree in college so that I could get a high-paying job at a good company got a tech job working for Walmart. And so like, I don't know if you know much about Walmart, but largest, largest, one of the largest companies in the world has one of the biggest IT departments in the world. And so like a tech job with Walmart was a big deal. And I was single making six figures doing tech for Walmart and no financial education. And so like, it doesn't matter if you make six figures or, or zero figures or two figures, if you spend more than you make, you don't have any money. And so I was really good at doing that. And so, yeah, uh, that was all well and good. Like I, I just, I literally remember living under paycheck to paycheck. Like i get paid and halfway through my paycheck, I'm trying to figure out like how many dollar menu meals I can eat until I get paid again. Cause I just don't have enough money to like grocery shop for real or do anything like that. And so I lived like that for a while. And then I met my wife and we got married 365 days after we met. So it was really, really fast. Yeah, And so that fast transition, like physically happened fast, but like, like educationally, mentally, like I was still in the same place. Like I didn't have good financial habits. And so now I had someone else tied to those bad decisions. And I quickly learned that <laughs> she did not want to eat off the dollar menu halfway through <laughs> a paycheck. And she did not want to just like, well, I hope we can pay our bills this month. So. So what did you do? Well, I had a panic attack, man. That's how we started, right? No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. So uh, I had a couple of wake-up calls. The first one, we tried to buy a house together. And uh, the bank called me and basically said, hey, if you want your wife to be able to buy a house, you can't be on the loan. Like, you're messing this up for her. Mm-hmm. Like, my credit was bad. And mm-hmm. it was just like... And so, like, that was a big, like, blow to, like, my ego, a blow to, like, me personally, because I, you know, I I wanted to be this provider. I did all the things I was supposed to do. I had the good job. I made twice what she made. And I, like, I was messing this up for her. Like, it was just a big blow to my ego. And the other wake-up call I had was after we purchased that house. Well, after my wife bought the house and allowed me to live in it with her, (laughs) uh, we had a conversation that all married couples have when they're new, which is like, what's this life going to look like, right? Like, where are we going to live? What's our dream house look like? How many kids are we going to have? What are we, you know, where are we going on these awesome vacations that we're going to have? And and like, like, it's supposed to be a fun conversation and like, I'm trying to have fun with it, but I'm terrified the whole time because I'm like, I don't know how to get to a dream house. Like we barely got to the house we're in now. Like, I don't, like, this This is it. (laughs) This is a dream. Like, I just couldn't figure out how to get to any of these places that she wanted to go and deserved to be able to be at. And so we went to bed, and then at 3 in the morning, I woke up having a panic attack because I was worried that she was going to figure out I only look good on paper <laughs> and once you dig into the numbers, the math doesn't really math out and uh, this isn't financially going to benefit me in any way. And so I was having a big freak out about just not being able to provide for her and give her the things that she deserved. And, and so I did what any normal red blooded person does when you are freaking out about money at three in the morning is I went to Google and said, how can I make more money? <laughs> <laughs> and I just started seeing articles and I started seeing articles, bigger pockets, like articles popped up. Every other article was something from bigger pockets about people, normal people investing in real estate. And like, I just never, I'd never. Thought much about it. Like I didn't know who bought real estate. I just assumed rich people and corporations owned real estate. I assumed you had to have a bunch of money to own real estate. Like I assumed all the things everybody assumes before they get into this business. And but as I was reading through those articles and I, and watching, I watched a TED talk. It was called "How to Design Your Dream Life Through Passive Income." And uh, when you're having a freak out at three in the morning about not making enough money, and you see some kid talking on YouTube about how to design your dream life through passive income. Well, that's a video you watch. And so I watched it and he was this 20 something year old kid. He had 20 something doors and he was talking about how he used the rent uh, as passive income to be financially free. And I just thought, well, crap, this kid figured it out like, "Mm." I can figure this out. This has to be something that's achievable or else he wouldn't be sitting up here talking about it. And so I just made a decision that I was going to learn as much as I could. And I was going to be a successful real estate investor. And there was no other option. It was just going to work. And that gave me some sense of peace at three in the morning. And I went to sleep. I woke up the next morning and told my wife, guess what? We're going to be real estate investors. And she was like, cool, let's do it. So that's, that's This (laughs) is such a great story. (laughs) How long
1: ago was that?
0: five years ago for a little four and a half years ago.
1: And then so, what happened? That, oh, I, man, know, I, you're both on board. You have this exciting plan. Yeah. Then what do do next?
0: Yeah. So kind of like, you know, the meat and potatoes of it, you know? And so like, if anybody's interested in real estate investing and they're just kind of scared, like just write this stuff down, follow this blueprint. Right. Like, cause it literally worked for me. It can work for anybody. And it's not like some, there's no magic numbers here. There's not some secret formula. It's just a bunch of mindset you know, mindset stuff that works, right? Like people get weird about mindset stuff, but man, it works. So I, I've learned looking back what I did. And so like when I was actually doing it, like I, I, I wasn't this smart, like I didn't know I was doing this stuff, right? But like looking back, I can see what led to the success, right? And so the first thing that I did was I decided at three in the morning, I decided, I didn't say I was going to give real estate investing a try. I didn't say, I'll see how it goes. I didn't say, I'll see if I can figure this thing out, right? I said, I'm going to figure out. I said, I'm going to be a successful real estate investor. I decided, right? And when you when you make a decision, right? The suffix of the word decide is side, which means kill off, right? Which means there's no other option. Like you chose, right? This is it. And so that in your mind forces you to figure it out. Right. Like it forces you to go, oops, I bumped into this roadblock. I bumped into this wall. I ran into this obstacle and your brain's already trying to figure out how to get over around it, under it, whatever it can do to get past it. Because you've told your brain you're going to figure out how to do this. And so it's working on that for you when you just say you're going to try something. It's why people don't succeed when they try. It's because you didn't decide you were going to do it. You just said you were going to try it. And well, guess what? You tried it. It got hard and you stopped. Right. That's why people quit
1: they didn't commit
0: they didn't commit right there's 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 power in decision right and so because i decided like it forced my brain to figure out how right and i think too many people try to do the opposite they try to figure out the how before they decide they're going to do something right it doesn't work like that you got to decide first and if you decide the how will reveal itself because the how is different for people i'm sure the way you two invest is different than the way i invest it's different than the way somebody else invests because it's all based on what skills that you have, like what's your superpower, it's based on what your financial situation, right? Some people can't go traditional financing, so they gotta learn creative financing. Some people have great credit and money at their disposable, so they can they can go a little easier route and just buy stuff on the ML. Like there's there's a bajillion ways to do this. And so like for you to try to figure out how before it, you, before you 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 know like what all your options are is kind of silly. So you just have to decide, right? And so once I decided. The next thing I thought to do was, okay, well, if I don't know how to do this, then I need to get around people who do it. And so I just Googled again, real estate investor groups, meetups, clubs like I didn't even know if there were any out there, but I was going to try to find some. And I found every real estate investment meetup group, RIA, If if they were within driving distance and they met in person, I got my butt in the room, but I didn't just get in the room one time. Right. And I think that's where a lot of people fail with this, too, is they get into a RIA meeting and they go to, you know, they go to a meeting. Maybe they meet months a month and they they go for the first month and then they're all about it. And then they kind of go for the second month and then, you know, they're still kind of all about it. But then they go for the third. they, They look at the third month and they start, you know, life comes into play now, right? I got this thing. I don't feel good. My kids, my dog, whatever it is, right? You don't show, maybe you miss a few and then you go a few months later. It's like, you're starting over reintroducing yourself to people, new faces in the room. Like you don't get, you're robbing yourself of relationships, deal flow, and you're robbing yourself of people seeing you as a professional, even though you might not have done anything. Because when you're consistently in the room, every single meeting, every meeting your face is in that room, people see you as a person of authority in that space, even if you've never done anything, because you're always there. Mm-hmm. You're always there. You're always networking. You're always talking to people. You're, you're building your Rolodex of people that could be of service to you or who you could be of service to. And so it's, it's interesting, right? Like next time you go to a RIA meeting and you look around, and you can tell the people who are consistently in the room, I bet those are the people who do deals all the time, right? There's, there's, usually, there's usually a mix. There's either somebody comes every time and they're scared to jump off the cliff or there's people that come all the time and they're doing tons of deals and you can tell them instantly, right? And so get in the room. And so by doing that, by going to every meetup I could, I started to, A, build my network of other investors. I started to figure out who was going to be able to work with me. I found contractors. I found title companies. I found all these things. And even though I didn't know quite how to evaluate them all, I had the relationships because when the time came for me to be able to leverage those relationships, I could then do that research and figure out who to work with. And so the other thing that I did, so the third thing you could say on the list that I did was I just told people I was a real estate investor, even though I had no clue how to do it or you know, had bad credit and only, I, mind you, I only had a thousand dollars in my savings account when I decided to go on this journey. Like I had no money either, no money and bad credit, but I was going to be a successful real estate investor. Right. And so that's like, that's like the two things you need to, to be a real estate investor. I had none of those things, but I still decided I was going to do it. Right. And so I just told everybody I was a real estate investor partially because I've just always been a believer in like, in this world, you get what you give, right. If you don't, you like you get what you put out right like people always say well why are you know am I, The jerks always find me well what are you putting out into the atmosphere to bring these jerks right like if you want money you can you, you give money if you want happiness you give happiness like if that's how life works if you wanted to be punched in the stomach right now what's the number one thing you could do to get punched in the stomach
1: no <laughs> just try it axel sorry very very good at all this right why i'm not going there right
0: Right? like if you want to get punched you punch somebody like that's you get what you give and so i was just like all right well i'll just tell people i'm an investor because that's what i want people to see me as that's what i want to attract to me and so just did that so like literally when i would introduce myself to people who i'd never met you know, whether they were an investor or not, they'd say, well, what do you do for a living? I say, well, I'm Henry, I'm a real estate investor and I do software development for Walmart. Like day job became second because I wanted people to see me as an investor first. And that like law of attraction thing is what brought me my first deal. So a buddy of mine who I work in the same building as had heard through the grapevine that I was buying houses now. And he called me in a panic about a house that he owned. And he was like, dude, I got a house. I have to sell it in 30 days. I heard you're buying houses. Would you look at it? Cause I need to sell it. And I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. And he said the situation was basically, he had to sell it because he had to buy another property that he was buying for his church with some church members. And so like, he had to sell it because he needed the money from that sale in order to buy this other property. And if he couldn't sell, he couldn't buy that other property and he'd committed to do that. And so he was like, Look, sell you the house for 115. It's worth like 160. But if I sell it for 116, that gives me the exact amount of dollars that I need to go do the thing that I need to do. And I have to do it in 30 days. So as long as you can buy this within 30 days, you can have it for 115. Can you buy it? And I was like, Yep. Yes, I can figure it out. Exactly. (laughs) I had no clue how to buy it. Not a clue, not a clue. But I said I was going to do it. Right. And so I literally went back to my desk and I just Googled how to buy a house without a real estate agent. (laughs) And I and they were like, well, you got to put it under contract. And then I was like, cool, how to find a contract, (laughs) Found, found a contract. And then Change the names and like had him sign it and I sign it. And like, this is a terrible advice. Like, don't do that. <laughs> like But the mindset is what's important. Like the mind to know that like nothing was going to stop me is, is what I want people to take away there. Don't go just download a contract and then sign it. That's a bad idea. Um,
1: you mean read it first?
0: <laughs> yeah, you should do that. Yeah you, you yeah, you should. You should do that. Maybe a lawyer should read it first. That would that would help, too. Good advice. Um, I didn't do that. Um, but but the mindset is what's important. Right. So I put the house under contract and then I was like, cool. Now I need to buy it, which means I need money. I have one thousand dollars how do I find the money to buy this house? And so I thought, well, banks have money. So I'll just go to a bank. That's what people do when they want to buy a house. And so like, that's, that's all the research that I had done. I went to a bank with the contract physically in my hands and I walked in and I said, Hey, is there someone here who can help me buy this house? This one. And they were like, all right. <laughs> so they like, bring a, a loan officer comes out and I tell them what I'm looking to do. And they they actually connected me with the commercial loan officer because it it wasn't a traditional loan deal. And so I ended up talking to the commercial loan officer and he was like, this is this is a really good deal. And I was like, yeah, I know. I would like you to give me money to buy it. And (laughs) he basically said, we'd love to finance it. Here's our terms. You're going to need a 15 percent down payment. Do you have 15 percent of one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I got that. not have that Uh. i did not have that at all right but i didn't want him to know that because i wanted to get the deal done and so now i was able to leverage that network that was why it was so important for me to get in the room because now I had this relationships with people who wanted to help me because I was consistently in these rooms. They saw me as a peer. They saw me as an investor. And so when I actually had a deal, I was able to go and say, hey, how the heck are y'all doing all this? Right. Like, how do I get the financing for this deal? And one of my now business partners, but then was just another investor I networked with was like, well, let's brainstorm it out, bud, because you've got to buy this deal. And I was like, yes, sir. So he brainstormed it out with me and he landed on like we was just he was pitching ideas. He was like, you could do this. You could do that. And I was like, no, that won't work. Don't have that. He was like, well, you can borrow against the 401k. And I was like, what does that mean? I don't want to take out money of my 401k or take out money out of a 401k because then there's penalties and interest. He's like, no, 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 you can borrow. Right. So you can borrow against the money in your 401k, your employer will make you repay it. They'll take the money from your actual paycheck, but they'll take it pre-tax. So it reduces your taxable income. And so there's some benefit to you there. And then you're paying it back with interest, but it's your money. So you get the interest too. And so if you use that type of a loan as the down payment and you buy something that cash flows, technically your tenants are paying back your loan with interest and not you. So you're getting paid multiple ways. And I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. I was like, well, that's what we're gonna do then. Now I just gotta find a four hundred one k. Didn't have one of those either. So my <laughs> so uh, my wife did, and so I went to her and I said, remember that time I said we were gonna be real estate investors? And she was like, yep. And I was like, cool. Well, we need to borrow twenty thousand dollars from your four hundred one k so that we can buy this property. And she said, yep, let's do it. And we took it. We had the money in like two weeks. We bought the house. We. Kept the same tenant in it. We pushed the rents up to market rents and it started cash flowing and paying us every month and paying back our line of credit. I mean, our uh, 401k loan. And like, I was just mind blown at like to go from like a position where I didn't think I could buy anything to now owning this like cash flowing asset. Like I was just like, I, I got to do this again a lot and again right now and so uh and so that's what we did and then the bank called and said hey this was a great deal we'd love for you to bring us more of these we would like to give you a line of credit against the equity in that house so that you have more cash that you can leverage as down payments if you go find more and so then all of a sudden i had access to like 20 something thousand almost thirty thousand dollars on a line of credit and like when you go from panic attack to 90 days later, you own this asset and the bank calls you and says, here's 30 grand to go do it again. Like that's life changing. And so that's when I knew that like, this was it, I found it. I found the thing that was going to change everything. And so our original goals were to buy a house a year for five years. And then after that deal, we went back to our goals and we changed them. We did five deals that first month. So,
1: wow. Okay. So I I was going to ask you like, so just if we can fast forward, because that was about five years ago. Yeah. Where are you at now?
0: Yeah, uh, we do. We've got about 70 doors, 70, a little over 70 doors. And then we do, uh, we do maybe 10 to 15 flips per year.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 70, 70 doors. And that's with, with, with your wife and maybe a few, uh, a few investors, a few partners, and 15, and 15 flips a year. Okay. So just over one a month. And do you still have the Walmart IT job, or you've let that? No,
0: well? no, no. I left. I left corporate about twelve months ago, thirteen okay. months ago. Mm-hmm.
1: Is it the best decision you've ever made, other than investing in real estate?
0: <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So then, okay. So you, you walked us through your the, the first deal, and I can just imagine the satisfaction you got after that phone call from the bank, being like, "Hey, here's more in case you find other deals." Like, it's very empowering. And as you said, like showing up to these to these meetings and this meetup, like I just want to rehash what you said, like just showing up, just go, just attend, just be there is so important because it delivers several messages and it's something that you've clearly used and has been able to, uh, to, to help you. So, OK, so then, you know, we don't need to go maybe into as much detail in the second and the third deal and stuff. But like, how are you able to scale to now 70 units and so many flips? I mean, you're a, you're a two-man show with your wife, like, how do you structure?
0: Yeah. So the thing that I learned early on by going to these meetups consistently is everybody said they had the same problem, which was deal flow. Like everybody said, I want, I'm, I'm an investor. I'm looking for X, Y, Z type of properties. Properties are hard to find. And I was like, all right, well, if every single person that talks says they're having trouble finding properties, well, if I get good at finding properties, then that will help me because then I can keep the ones I like and I got a room full of people who will buy the other ones, right? It minimizes my risk and helps everybody else out in the room. And so, all right, how do I find properties? Who's the best in this business at finding properties? And so as I started researching and doing, listening to podcasts, it was like, well, wholesalers do that. And I was like, awesome. Well, what are wholesalers doing? Right. And that's when I dove into direct to seller marketing to figure out how to find these good deals. And I said, well, this is what I'll do. I'll set up my business like a wholesale operation, except I just won't wholesale anything. I'll just keep them all, right? And because the, the two things you need to scale your business are deal flow and money flow. If you've got consistent deal flow and you've got a way to get all those deals financed or taken down, then you can grow as fast or as slow as you want to, it's up to you. And so I had the I solved the deal flow with my direct-to-seller marketing business approach and the money flow was through the small local banks. And so what I learned through the small local banks is that when you're using commercial loans from small local banks, they will fund your purchase and your repairs. Typically, 85% of the purchase, leaving you 15% as a down payment and 100% of the repairs, right? And so I was like, okay, I just need to be able to fund down payments. And so I then started going to other investors in those meetup groups, again, leveraging those other investors and saying, hey, you know who's doing deals, right? You find the people doing deals, you say, hey, if you, you know, on the on the money you've got sitting, would you be willing to let me borrow 10, 15, 20 grand if I need down payments and I'll just pay you 10, 15 percent on your money for three to six months? Right. To me, that was the best option because then I could borrow the down payment, put it down. The bank loans me the rest. I'm basically 100 percent financed because it's none of my money out of my pocket. The My my investors happy because they're making 10, 15 percent on their money with somebody they trust. Backed by real estate, which they understand, right? And then the bank's loan is happy because I brought them a phenomenal deal that they're they're not scared to lose on. Because if you think about that bank, right, like small local banks need to lend to local businesses to stay afloat. They don't make their money like the big banks do, the Chases and the Bank of America. They can't go do thirty-year fixed-rate mortgages at enough scale for them to stay afloat, and so they they do small business type loans, and most small businesses fail within the first five years because they're hard and they're risky, but they see real estate as a small business too, but much less risky because if I bring them a house worth 160 that I buy for 115 and then I foreclose, like they foreclose on me because I don't make my payment, they get an asset back that's worth 160 that they've only got on the books for 116. So they can go sell that on the open market as is. Maybe they'll get 120, maybe they'll get 130. That's way more money than they're gonna make off me on my interest payments. And so I'm, I'm a very low risk business to them. And so they want you to bring those types of deals. That's why they called me and gave me the line of credit. And so I kind of just took all this information and said, all right, well, this is the game plan for me. I'm going to do direct to seller marketing so that I get consistent lead flow like a wholesaler. And then I'm just going to close on everything because I have money flow with these small banks and I can use down payment loans from other investors that I've developed relationships with. Plus, over time, you can work on your small banking relationship. And I kind of tweaked it to where they were lending basically 100% financing. And I wasn't having to bring down payments after I got some some deals under my belt and they saw what I was doing because they wanted me to bring all the business I brought to them. And so that's, that's really how we scaled as I solved the deal flow problem and the money flow problem. And so we just went as fast as we could.
1: Nice. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, first of all, you you know, you, you're so like concise in your answers and your like, stuff is so step by step.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you, you break
1: it down in a way that almost makes it sound easy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not hard. It's not easy by any stretch, but like no. I think I think what people get confused at like is like Like the tactics of it, the tactics of it aren't hard. People have been buying real estate for generations, right? Like this is just, this is a thing people do, right? The tactics aren't hard. What's hard is the mindset. What's hard is deciding you can do it and then like going at it blind until you kind of figure out that path. It's the risk factor. That's the part that's hard. That's the part that people can't get, can't deal with. Like the the tactics of it, like once you get over the mindset, the tactics are not hard. Mm Yeah
1: no i think that's that's definitely true what uh, what market you invest in by the way
0: i'm in arkansas northwest arkansas oh. you
1: ever been to arkansas Axel? never no, me never. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh,
0: but it is the home of walmart it is the home of, that is exactly where it is yeah, the it's home of Brent, brenton bentonville yes
1: Bentonville. sorry yes,
0: yes. completely yes. off track okay now for those
1: who are listening and who are inspired by this by, by, by your story what would be like two or three pieces of advice you would give them because so many people you know, Oh, I'd love to start investing in real estate. And they say that for years, but they never take the plunge. So what advice would you give them if you had them in front of you?
0: Yeah. So brand new people, right? The three things is make a decision, decide you're going to do it, decide you're going to be successful. There's a, there's a plan A, there's no plan B it's going to work or it's going to work. Right. Plan B is planning to fail. You can have plan A and then like plan A sub B plan A sub C. Right. But it's all still plan A. Right. Like don't think that however you end up going, whatever path you end up going down is the path you plan to go down. Like it's not going to like, it's going to be completely different, but it's all going to be in that real estate investing realm. So like make your plan a and then stick to it. So you have to decide then step two, is really like simplify your focus because the cool part about real estate is that it is so flexible and there's so many different ways to find deals and so many different ways to finance deals and so many different ways to monetize deals. You know, do I flip or rent or Airbnb or, or short term rental, long term rental, right? Do I? There's a bajillion ways and like people get so like during the headlights analysis paralysis because they don't know which way is best for them. And so take all of that off the table. The only thing you should be focused on as a new investor, once you make your decision that you're gonna do it, is two things. Learn what a good deal is in the market you're gonna look to invest in, and then learn how to go find those deals. Those are the two things you should focus on. So if you wanna learn how to find good deals, do exactly what I talked about being in this podcast. Get in the room with people who are doing it. Go start to network with them. Just be strategic about your questions. When you're networking, Go talk to an investor that's doing deals. You'll know them when you see him in the room. Everybody'll be talking to them, they'll talk about their deals and just go ask them be like, "Hey, hey, my name's Henry. I'm just getting in this business. I'm super excited. Can you just tell me like, what was your last deal like? Like where' would you buy it? What'd you pay for it? Like, did you flip it? Did you rent it? How much did you put into it? What neighborhood was it in? right? Like, A, people love talking about themselves. like that's just science of people, right? And then B, real estate investors love talking about their deals and they love talking about their wins and they love helping other investors. And so like, they'll tell you all that stuff. They'll answer all those questions. And if the, so you'll be doing two things. You'll be building rapport with somebody who's successful in the business. You're stroking their ego, right? You're telling them they're awesome, right? But you're also learning so much because now you're learning what neighborhoods they're buying in. You're learning what they paid for for a house in that neighborhood. You're learning how much money it took them to put into that house. You're learning what they did to how they exit. Did they sell it? Did they flip it? What they rent it for? Like, they'll tell you all that stuff. And if you start to ask more and more people those questions, you'll get a good sense for what typical good deals look like from people who are successful in that field that's just one way to start doing that so learn what a good deal looks like in your market and then learn how to find those good deals like there's a there's strategies for everybody right pick a strategy pick one that fits your budget and your personality right and your market there are some markets where you can just call a real estate agent and they can send you some deals and those deals cash flow and you can buy them and everything's happy like that's not my market there's a few here and there but most markets aren't like that right no. And so figure out a strategy for finding those deals. Maybe it's direct mail. Maybe it's cold calling. Maybe it's text messages. Maybe it's door knocking. Right. Every one of those requires a little bit of a different skill set. Every one of them is going to require you to be a little uncomfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Pick one that fits your personality and your budget. And the reason I say that is if you pick like for me, I'm not a sales cold call guy. Like I could say I'm going to call 100 people today and I'm going to not going to stop until I get somebody who lets me come look at their house and make them an offer. And I would get to like call number two and somebody would curse me out and I'd be done for the day. Right? Like I just, I wouldn't make enough calls for that to be a viable strategy for me. It's not my personality. And I don't yeah. want to lie to myself and say, well, I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it. Cause I wouldn't. So you have to know yourself enough. Right? So mm-hmm. I started off with direct mail. It worked out well for me. The people that were calling me wanted to call me because I sent the mail. Either they wanted to call me because They wanted to tell me they're not ever selling their house or they wanted to call me because they were genuinely interested. But at the end of the day, they picked up the phone to call me. That made it a better strategy for me. And then I picked one that I could afford to fund. Right. And so like all of these are going to like this is a numbers game. Right. With off market finding deals, you're trying to get your piece of marketing in front of somebody in the exact moment that they're thinking about selling their property. So it's all numbers and timing. Now you generate some of that timing by sending multiple pieces of mail, right? So if I send you a piece of mail, the first one, you throw in the trash a month later, you get a second piece of mail. You look at it. It says, somebody wants to buy your house. You're like, no way you throw it in the trash. But then you start thinking about, well, I wonder how much they would pay for that house. Huh? That's interesting. And then they start thinking about what they could buy with that money. And then that third month they get that mail again. And they go, Oh, I'm making this guy a call. And they kind of tucking under there, you know, under their other mail. And then another month goes by, they get another one. And then they're like, Oh, let me call this guy right then. Boom. That's when they're thinking about selling. That's when you need to talk to that person. But it took four pieces of mail. If I send once a month, that's four months. So you have to be able to spend enough so that the numbers work in your favor. And so with mail, you got to be able to touch enough people. That's typically 2000 plus mailers per month to get you some sort of reasonable return. Like if you can't afford to send that much mail a month, don't do it right? Because you're just throwing your money away. You're throwing the trash can. Don't send a couple pieces of mail hoping to get success, right? So pick a strategy that you can afford to fund properly and that fits your personality and then hammer it until you get a deal. Don't stop. Even if it feels slow, you're not getting the return. People aren't calling you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. If that happens, great. Spend more money, send more, do more, don't do less. You'll get to your deer quicker if you speed it up rather than slow it down.
1: Those are wise words of wisdom and it's truly you got to pick
0: something and then go with it the whole way. Yeah. Um, do that stuff because everybody wants to figure out all the how first. Just do those two things. Once you get a deal under contract, it doesn't matter if you want to flip it, wholesale it, rent it, Airbnb it. You'll be so motivated to figure out the other steps. You'll go get that other stuff done. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter who your contractor's supposed to be or what your exit strategy is going to be or who your title company is going to be. None of that stuff matters until you have a deal. So don't focus on it until you have a deal. Go figure out how to get the deal first.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great advice. Um, so look, we're just about running out of time here. So before we get off, well, what can people do to get in touch with you, learn more about what you do?
0: Yeah. Best place to reach me is on Instagram. I'm at the Henry Washington on Instagram or you can check out my website. It's uh, Henry, I've got a bunch of information there too.
1: Super. Well, I'll make sure to include it in the show notes. Henry, thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. Very inspiring. And we had a good few laughs out of it. So that's uh, that's (laughs) mission accomplished. We definitely wish you the best in your uh, endeavor.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me.
1: Thank you very much for listening to everyone. As usual, please uh, subscribe to the show, share it with a friend. I might have already said that. Thank you very much. Stay tuned for next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investors Club podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, remember to give us a rating, leave a comment, subscribe, and share. You can find Terry at terryshower.com. Her book, Mindful Landlord, is available on Amazon. You can also follow her on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. JP is the president of the Real Estate Investors Club. You can learn more about the club's networking and educational activities on Facebook by searching for Real Estate Investors Club. Look to the show notes to find information on our guests and links to material mentioned in the episode.